0: He will give them the power to become the nation of kings and priests they will ordain to be from the foundations of the earth.
1: Sabbath and legalism Legalism is what I hear from so-called Christians That the Sabbath has changed and the law is fulfilled Is this the doctrine of Christ that we are free to sin And do not have to keep any of the laws in the Bible anymore Come join us as we discuss the Sabbath and legalism And the Bible You know, this is what we're going to be talking about today I mean, for last week Uh, Saturday and Sunday shows On Kings and Priests in the virtual living room We were talking about the Sabbath And brothers were going through the Sabbath And one of the things that came up was You know, this is legalism You know, this is going into legalism As far as keeping the Sabbath And one of the things I said is that You know, it's really crazy when people turn a day off, now Zach, let me ask you. Let me ask you: If your boss said, "Look, you you've got this day off. You're gonna turn it down? No, I'm I'm coming into work."
2: Oh, good lord, no!
1: <laughs> you know, so I mean, I find that really, really, really strange. So, so we give all praises to the Most High in Christ. Once again, to do this show, I'm your brother one here. In London, in the UK, aka Great Britain, whatever you want to call it. Um, we also have the brother Zach from the Atlanta area code 404. Brother, introduce, say a few words for the people.
2: Hey, shalom to all the brothers and sisters over there in the UK. Missing the fish and chips. This is your brother Zach <laughs> over here in the US. <laughs> On the Sabbath. Giving all praise and said, uh, brother, if you don't mind, you know we talked about this. We, we dealt with this. Dealt, excuse me, with this uh, show topic uh, mm-hmm. last weekend. Yeah. we dealt with it on uh, Sunday, in, uh, you know, in the virtual living room. And uh, there's still lots of room for us to really deal with this topic because, oh, yeah, you know, oh, us yeah. having the, the very similar upbringings that we did have, you know, uh, coming up. There, there, there was no there was no debate with it. Sunday was church day. You got up, you put on your best clothes, you went to church, after that, you went to Big Mama's house, ate, watched the game, then uh then you got back into whatever whatever, whatever mischief if I can use that word <laughs> in a particular context. After all that was over with, you got back into whatever mischief that you were in before you went to church. So uh This program right here, Lord, women, we can really deal with it and show what the true day of the Lord is, and what the uh, and this here doctrine, Lord, women, we get to smash it. We started last week, but I hope we get to continue it this week.
1: Right, right, and also we have uh, joining us today um, is a brother that does a show on on Friday night at 7 p.m. Repentance is the key, very dynamic show, very edifying show this brings out the scriptures of the Bible, the scriptures of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have the brother Abaji, who was also the executive producer for this show. Brother, say a few words for the people.
3: And I'm gonna say very few words because the word of the Heavenly Father must go out and it will go out. But all praises to be here and have another opportunity to uh contribute. So Right. Thank you. You know
1: before we go into the legalism, I want to go into the Sabbath, and what I want us to do is all take turns and go in on and explain it because we 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 explained when the Sabbath was is not Sunday, that it is the seventh day of the week, which is Saturday, and we went and ex- we explained that last week, we went into the dictionary. And proved that Saturday was the seventh day of the week We proved that Sunday was the first day of the week We proved that, you know, the day didn't change That this was all a conspiracy of Satan To get people to worship him through through the sun Because Sunday is Sunday. It's the day of the sun, Dia souls That's always been that way And, you know, this is something that people don't know Because, especially our people We don't read Like it says in Hosea 4 and 6 That my people were destroyed for a lack of knowledge When they had the riots here in England In the UK in London in different areas In the United Kingdom um, Do you know there was no bookstores that were touched? Did you hear about that? Did you brothers hear about that?
2: No, No, I'm not surprised at it either
1: No, there was no bookstores touched No bookstores, not even glass broken Wow. So when when the Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, we know that our knowledge is talking about the scriptures, but our people don't want knowledge, period. You know, you know, they just want to be foolish, sadist children. And so this is a reason why when you tell someone, look, Sunday is not the day of the Lord. Sunday is not the Sabbath day. It's not the day of rest. That's why they go crazy and ballistic because what do they have in them is a bunch of demons. They don't have the truth because Christ is the truth. Christ is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. He is the light of the world. So many people are not dealing with that. As we read on, on Tuesday's show, Are You Smarter Than Your Pastor? One of, one of the many scriptures that we quote As one of the headline scriptures is Isaiah 8 and 20 To the law and to the testimony If they speak not according to this word It is because there's no light in them So if there's no light in someone Then there's darkness in them But let's go to Exodus The 20th chapter and the 8th verse And what we're going to do And I don't think that we did it on either of the shows Explain the different ordinances and laws On how the Sabbath was to be kept One of them that stands out to be true In Exodus 28 That no work was to be done That was explained But there's other different laws um, That goes into how we're supposed to keep The holy and not profane it So let's go and examine that
2: Okay, this is the book of Exodus Chapter 20 and verse 8 Remember the Sabbath day To keep it holy Six days Shalt thou labor and do all thy work But the seventh day Is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God In it thou shalt not do any work Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter Thy manservant, nor thy maidservant Nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger That's within thy gates
1: Right So Could someone explain the working part?
2: Basically, thou shalt not do any work Basically, you have jobs Or even if you don't have jobs work is work so for example for those those who do have jobs on the Sabbath day which let me allow me to take the time to define that Mm the Sabbath starts at dark on Friday and it ends at dark on Saturday Mm -hmm. So during that time period right there was the time period that the Heavenly Father established as holy unto him in which no work was to be done Mm -hmm. right you know, you you have jobs, so that's the time period in which you don't clock in. You you, you stay home, and you rest and so you refresh yourself. Right. Right.
1: So, I mean, is is this a time to mow the lawn? Is this a time to you know, you're gonna go to the laundromat and do a big, big wash of clothing? Is this a time to, you know? I'm going to go ahead and cut down the trees and the leaves. I mean, edify a bit more for us because a lot of people, they're completely oblivious of what the Sabbath entails. And I think we did a very good job of going when the Sabbath was. But now, what is it that we do and don't do on the Sabbath? More so, what we don't do on the Sabbath to keep from profaning it. That's what I want to find out. Abadji, you got um,
3: anything on it? Well, more or less, you know, the Lord already told us with uh, regards to work, you know, what and what that day was for. Mm-hmm. When you go to, um, I think it's Deuteronomy 5 and 14. Okay. Now, I'll just read it very quickly. It says, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor thine nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just something that, you know, when we were in the in our land that we observed and everybody else went on about their business. Everybody took the day off. Everybody took a rest. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what the day was for, is That so that they would be refreshed. And he said, six days shall thou, you know, work and do all thy labor. So the Lord gave us the other six days to do our business. But the seventh day was he commanded us to rest. And also, when you go into um another one of the ordinances, too, is that the Sabbath day was the day of, of um what you call it, uh, a holy convocation, meaning that was the day that, one of the days that he designated that we should come together to worship him.
1: So this is something that we should do. We should be gathering on the seventh day in the worship of the Heavenly Father and Christ. Is that what he's saying?
3: That's exactly what the scripture says. That's what the Convocation is.
1: Didn't we go over that last week that this was the custom that Christ kept, that he would go in the synagogue on the Sabbath and he would read the scriptures? Didn't we go over that last week? Sure did. Right. And um, didn't we go over, didn't we hit the scriptures where Christ um he taught on the sabbath days. Yep. And you know what I find crazy brothers is that um you have people that are trying to fast like Christ for 40 days and 40 nights. So, you know, there's you know, people you can't you can't fast for 40 days and 40 nights. You can't you can't go without water for 3 days. So, this is something that Christ did. He went without food and water for 40 days and 40 nights. So you have people they have different ways of doing it. Well, Christ fasted for forty days and forty nights, and so we're going to try to do it. So you have people that are doing different things, okay uh from from sun up to sundown i won't I won't um eat any food, but I'm going to drink water. and from sundown to sunup, then I'm going to eat food. Crazy things like that. but what Christ is saying is clear. He taught on the Sabbath day, so why don't people follow that example? You know, it just shows you how deep the deception is. Now, I want to read a scripture as far as going into this work that clearly defines and gives us uh, examples. This is Nehemiah, the 13th chapter and the 15th verse. And it says, In those days I saw in Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and laden asses. As also wine, grapes, figs, and all manner of burdens, which they brought in Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, and I testified against them in the day when they sold victuals. So, Zach, what were they doing?
2: They were bringing in. They were bringing in work, or at least they were trying to bring in work. Uh, Burden. They were. Work. They were. Uh, burdens. Uh, burdens, so that work could be done on the Sabbath.
4: Right.
1: So when it says they were treading wine presses on the Sabbath,
2: what were they doing? Making wine, breaking down the grapes and crushing the grapes to extract the juice from them to make wine. That's what it goes into on the Sabbath day, on the day of the Lord.
1: So that was that was work. That wasn't something that they should have been doing, correct? Exactly. What about when it says... Um, Bringing in sheaves and laden asses, how does that profane what it says in Exodus twenty and eight, Avaja?
3: Well, it goes directly against what we read in Exodus the twentieth chapter, and it goes directly against what we read in Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, fifth chapter, because if they're basically loading these animals up, then not only it shows you not only were they more or less harvesting something. They're either harvesting, have harvested, and are transporting that that um you know that food. So now they load the animals up. Let me read Deuteronomy five and fourteen again. Good. It says, "But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, in it thou shalt not do any work. Thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, here we go, nor thy ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou." So if they're loading mm-hmm. up these animals; they're not resting, and these are the animals.
1: Right. So Nehemiah said he testified against them in the day when they sold victuals. So when he says he's testifying against them, what what must have uh, Nehemiah been saying to them?
2: Nehemiah was saying basically, uh, in, a, in a round, in I I can't quote him, but Basically, you're bringing, you're working on the Sabbath. This is that which the Lord commanded us not to do. You're not supposed to be bringing in sheaves and laying asses in on the, on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do that. It's, it's supposed to be a day of rest. It's supposed to be supposed to be a day holy unto the Lord. And what you are doing by loading these ashes, bringing in these sheaves, treading these rime presses, is that you are profaning a holy day of the Lord.
1: Right, and, and it, it brings something else into, into question. It says that wherein they sold victuals, so are we supposed to be buying and selling on the Sabbath? So, over verse 17, it says, Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said unto them, What evil thing is this that ye do and profane the Sabbath day? So why would Nehemiah go and, you know, Contend and have a dispute with the nobles of the people Why this is being done on the set Why would he go to them
2: Because the nobles basically Represented your leadership It represented basically The persons uh, That were in charge That were in power That, 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 that had uh, authority So when he, when he contended with the nobles He was basically contending With the leadership slash authority Slash persons who who had influence At that time
1: Right so here's a question um, Abadjah are, are the religious leaders Of today teaching our people To profane the
3: Sabbath Oh all the time And, and the I mean they, Go ahead And the way that they're teaching people To profane the Sabbath is by saying One that basically The, the so called Old Testament Laws all those things have been done away with okay, right. You no longer have to keep those things We're under grace
1: Right and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get to that Because that's the part that many Christians Have picked up this word legalism You're dealing with legalism Like you know they've said some Great uh, scriptural revelation Where you, you won't find legalism In, in the scriptures But I want to read this um, in Isaiah This is Isaiah 9 and 16 It says for the leaders of this people caused them to err and they that are led of them are destroyed. So the leaders are teaching our people that the Sabbath has changed from Saturday to Sunday, from the seventh day of the week to the first day of the week, and they have no knowledge of how it has changed, even though the scriptures don't clarify or give you a changing of days. So the people that are led by these men that say they're men of the Lord, They're causing them To make errors They're causing them to sin And where is that going to lead you Romans 6 and 23 tells us That the wages of sin is death So that's where that is leading them When people are saying The Sabbath is no more You don't have to keep the Sabbath ordinances Matter of fact the day has changed You can do whatever you want to do And we're going to go into some of the different writings When it was changed What they actually said about the Sabbath But going back to Nehemiah The 13th chapter It says that Nehemiah He spoke to the nobles And it was saying why do they profane the Sabbath day How were they profaning the Sabbath day They were breaking all the ordinances That we read in Exodus 20th chapter And Deuteronomy So verse 18 Did not your fathers thus And did not our God Bring all this evil upon us And upon this city Yet you bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath day. So, was there a judgment for breaking the Sabbath day,
3: or oh, you yeah. just,
1: you know, it wasn't that serious? I mean, could someone elaborate on that and you know show us was there a judgment for the Sabbath day? We want we want to find that out and put that out to the people.
2: Yeah, there, there, there was a judgment for profaning the Sabbath day, and that judgment was death. Now, brothers, um, the, the scripture eludes me right about now, but there, 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 there is documented proof in the Bible in which a man went out to gather sticks on the Sabbath day, and uh, the judgment for his actions for gathering sticks on the Sabbath day was no, death. So obviously, this man was out there gathering sticks, working. Well, more or less, which 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 opens up uh, uh, the discussion. To bring in another ordinance of the Sabbath in, in which the Heavenly Father implemented And that ordinance was There was also no no cooking to be done On the Sabbath day Which you can read about that In uh, Exodus 35 and 3 Also Exodus chapter 16 Verse 23 well, Let's, just, which, let's uh, not
1: just say it Let's get it and read it
2: Okay no problem Starting first and foremost with Exodus chapter 16 and verse 23, and brothers, if you know what that scripture is, oh, no, it's already see. there. Thank you. Thank you. It's already there. So, Exodus chapter 16, and verse 23, it says, And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake today, and see that ye will see. And that which remains over, lay up for you to be kept until the morning. So, basically, what it's saying is, at that time period, the next day was going to be the Sabbath of the Heavenly Father. So, whatever baking, bake what you're going to bake today now, and boil that which you're going to boil now. And after you finish baking it and boil it and eating it, that which remaineth over, lay it up to be kept for you until the following day, so that you can eat on that during the Sabbath of the Heavenly Father. So, in Mm -hmm. other words, the ordinance is no cooking. But to right. go further into that, to prove that just a little bit further, we now go to the book of Exodus, chapter 35, <clears throat> and verse, starting at uh, verse 1, And Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said unto them, These are the words which the Lord hath commanded, that ye should do them. Six mm-hmm. days shall work be done, but on the seventh day there shall be to you an holy day. A Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whosoever doeth work therein shall be put to death. There is your judgment. There is Therein right there in that verse is your judgment for breaking the Sabbath day by working. Verse 3. Ye shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Sabbath day. So now, brothers and sisters, when the scriptures speak of not kindling any fire, not kindling any fire for the purposes of cooking. That does not mean that you freeze to death on the Sabbath day. <laughs> i'm not going into that. It means, Don't turn not, thank you. it means do not kindle fire for the purposes of cooking. We just mm. read the scriptures on how that we can keep the Sabbath and make sure we have food ready and available for the Sabbath by baking and preparing the food ahead of time. Now, but everybody who likes to live in the techno age that also includes microwaves. Because people like to like to get to their brains, well I didn't say anything about microwaves. I'm not I'm not like using my microwave, the purpose still applies for the purposes of cooking. So in other words, that is a day in which you don't use anything for the purposes of cooking. You prepare right. your food ahead of time. That's basically what the scriptures are telling us. Right.
1: Right. And I wanna read this because um you you read in um Exodus sixteen about preparing before. And a lot of people I mean, us, you know, coming in and learning these things and being aware of what the Lord requires was not to profane the Sabbath day for a lot of people is new. So they don't know what to do. But they did do these things in ancient times. And I'm gonna read this. This is one of the one of the many things that were people were turning away. From the Sabbath, and they were turning to, you know, Constantine the the Holy Roman Empire, which is, which is a misnomer because you couldn't call it (laughs) the Romans were far from holy when they were turning from it. This is a writing by uh, Persuas Ignitus, and it's a a letter um, called Magnesians. It said, "Let us no longer keep the Sabbath after the Jewish Nazarene matter." and not eating things prepared the day before, nor using lukewarm drinks. <laughs> so this is an ancient writing, okay? This is an ancient writing during the time of, of Constantine when the days began to change. That That's what they were doing, and they were changing and persecuting those that were following Christ, that were keeping the Sabbath day, and they were keeping his exact ordinances, that what They wouldn't eat things that were prepared the day before Like you read in um, Exodus 16 That they would no longer use lukewarm drinks So it show you they wasn't having hot drinks and stuff like that And they wasn't using the fire for that So there's evidence out there But we shouldn't have to go to that Which the word of the Lord should be good enough for us But for many people it's not They they don't want to hear Christ They want to hear Constantine or Ignatius and Magnus and Mushis Or whoever To to clarify, get justification And it really is a lack of faith So, you know, very good You deal with the, the cooking The work was a mainstream And you saw any ordinances That will profane the Sabbath Would be a punishment by death So it was a very serious thing When Uh, The brother Nehemiah was going to the elders And the leaders and telling them about this thing That look don't you know that we've been Punished for this in the past And by you allowing this and not Saying anything about it You cause more wrath To come down upon us As a people is that correct Or no Oh yes Okay. So let's go back to Nehemiah the 13th chapter And let's read some more On what Nehemiah was saying to, to the nobles And to the to the people I'll start back at 18 It says Did not your fathers thus Meaning profane the Sabbath day And did not our God Bring all this evil upon us And upon the city Yet you bring more wrath upon Israel And profane in the Sabbath So some of the evils and things That came down upon the city Was destruction We were conquered We were taken into captivity Jerusalem was sacked Verse 19 It says And it came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I commanded that the gates should be shut and charged that they should not be opened till after the Sabbath. And some of my servants I set at the gates and that there, that there should be no burden to be brought in on the Sabbath day. So that shows you that the Sabbath is in the evening. It begins in the evening because it said before it be, before it began to be dark. He set out his servants to close and shut up the doors. And at this time, what was Nehemiah doing? He was enforcing the laws. He was enforcing the laws. But see, now you're going to have to do this of your own free will and accord. No one's going to come to your house and see what you're doing and what you're not doing. But the Lord knows what you're doing. So let's read on. So Nehemiah's enforcing the law in Jerusalem. So they can't bring any burdens and be doing any work Or buying and selling on the Sabbath It says so the merchants and sellers of all Kind of were lodged without Jerusalem once or twice Then I Testified against them so they were still Trying to come even though the gate was shut What were they trying to do Abadji?
3: They shut They shut the gates to keep the people From coming from bringing that stuff in To try Mm -hmm. to sell Because you had the other nations that were there they didn't give a doggone about this. That was, it was like, listen, this is another day that I can sell my wares and make my money.
1: Right. And don't you see that today amongst our people? You have all nations in, in our communities, you know, selling all kinds of things to us.
5: Oh, yes. Okay.
1: So, Absolutely. verse 22, it says, And I testified against them and said unto them, Why lied you about the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you from that time forth. Came they no more on the Sabbath. Now, Nehemiah said he testified against them. What gave gave him the right to testify against these uh, Gentiles that were trying to come into Jerusalem to sell?
3: Abadjah. The word of the Lord gave him the right to testify against them because the Lord established what the Sabbath was for, regardless of whether you were of the nation of Israel or of another nation. Can you get that and read that?
1: So we can be clear. Crystal.
3: Okay. Actually, hold on. Because you want that one in. um, I'm looking at a couple of. Exodus 20. Okay. (laughs) Exodus chapter 20. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gate.
1: Right. So when um, Zach read the law about if you broke the Sabbath, it was punishable by death. Then, yeah, Nehemiah was fully justified to say, look, all right, you don't understand? I'm going to make you understand. This is the Sabbath. If you come back here, I'm going to lay hands on you. And when he said he's going to lay hands on you, it didn't mean he was going to anoint their head with olive oil and pray for them. Did he? Nope. No. 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 <laughs> because they didn't come back. Because it was Nehemiah and the men he had with him, and they was going to do some work. See, that's what the Lord's going to do in these last days. And he is doing it in these last days. They just had another earthquake. And there's many earthquakes that you won't see on the news. Because if they told you all the earthquakes on the, on the that was going on the earth, you might think about repenting.
2: <laughs>
1: you might think about repenting. If they told you and they reported all the wars and rumors of wars and uproars of the people on the earth, you might think about repenting. Are you going to say huh. something
2: to like that? No. Um, basically, yeah, that, put the hands on you, yeah, we we going to put you to death. But the, right. the scripture that I just read and uh, not to not to talk a broken record, but it's, it did say, it. "And the stranger that is within thy gates." So yeah. those persons who are not of the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but yet they were dwelling among us. Guess what? They were just as much responsible for keeping the Sabbath as we were. Right. So when you got these people of other nations bringing their bringing in their wares. Laning laden, lightning, lightning, lightning axes donkeys with with the with the burdens and trying to come and coming to the gates so forth, and so on they're breaking this out as well
1: right, so we wasn't supposed to allow people to come into our land and just do anything they wanted to do we're gonna we're gonna set up a, a shop for ball,
2: oh well, it's okay, you know we
1: just accept no, you can't do that the most I said, thou should have no other guys before you, you know someone gonna come on. It's like now people black people complain about there's so much liquor shops and bedding shops. Why are you going in there <laughs> if you if you don't want liquor shops and bedding shops in there, then guess what? boycott 'em don't go to don't go to the liquor shops there then they won't make any money and they'll close down. simple as that, but we, you know our people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge we don't know how to we don't know how to flow with the most high because. When we know how to flow with the most high, we can walk around a city seven times and it will fall down. So it's all about us returning to the most high and keeping his commandments and scriptures. So I'm gonna read on this Verse twenty-two. It says, And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should come and keep the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O oh my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of Thy mercy. So, what happened? Why did he have to tell the Levites to cleanse themselves?
2: What well, the first and foremost, the uh, first and foremost, the job—it was the job of the Levites—was was to, uh, you know, if they had the, the the services of the temple to, uh, uh, course perform the sacrifices according to the temple according to the Levitical priesthood, but also. They have the charge of teaching the law. Mm-hmm. So Nehemiah is basically telling the Levites, go and clean yourselves, clean yourselves up, perform your washings that you're supposed to perform, and come with me so that we can keep these gates, so that right. we can protect the gates against those other nations who try to come in and profane the Sabbath by bringing in their their, 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 their goods and, and their victuals to try to sell to us on the Sabbath.
1: Why do you have to tell them to cleanse themselves, though?
2: I apologize. Ask that question one more time. Yes.
1: Why did Why do you tell the Levites to cleanse
3: themselves? Okay. Uh, you know, uh, I actually have to go back and read through that. Cause I was yeah, I do. At moment,
2: well, so. One, one well, of them was, uh, as I said before, to, you know, to perform certain
3: sacrifices, they had to be cleaned.
1: That, this is true. But that was part of the, the original job that they they did all the time. They would cleanse themselves before they did those things. But what was going on here, particularly why they had to cleanse themselves?
3: Go ahead and expand on it, brother. <laughs> yeah, you got me on that. Because
1: they wasn't teaching, they wasn't teaching about the Sabbath and, and upholding those things. Nehemiah had to come in and bridge the gate, bridge the gap. That was the job of the Levites. Levi should have been up in an uproar about that But what were they saying What were they saying about it Nothing
3: Obviously nothing
1: That's why the Lord they said look y'all gotta cleanse yourself Because y'all are going to hell off You're breaking it now Cleanse yourselves and do your damn job That's why See that's why you see these effeminate pastors They're coming out they're gay The men of the Lord They, they, were, they were The scripture says the righteous is bold as a lion They were lions Forget about damn Troy and all that. You are lions, you know, uh, Achilles. You are lions. This is mortality. That's foolishness, man. Our fathers were the great warriors and men of the Lord, and we stood for righteousness. We stood for what was right. So (laughs) Nehemiah told, Look, man, y'all go get yourselves together, get your mind right, cleanse yourself, and do your job. You're supposed to be teaching the laws because that was. The original job of the Levites to do cert to do the service of God, to teach the people, but they didn't do it, did they?
3: No. no. Well, okay. And, right, and you know go what? Ahead. Go ahead, bro. Oh, because I'm looking at the time. I probably want to. Oh, you extended the show. Okay. Um, I thought we were running short on time. Before you go to the break, because it was one thing mm-hmm. I really wanted to touch on.
2: Go
5: ahead.
3: Because you know the thing is is that. The reason we're going through the ordinances of the Sabbath is that by the time we get to Christ, we're going to find out that Christ did not, say, uh, uh, know the ordinances of the Sabbath. Right. Okay. But we have to know where they first are before we even get to that, because people just know they run to Christ and say, oh, well, Christ did away with this, and Christ did away with all of that, not even understanding what those things were in the beginning. Because just very quickly, before you go to a break.
5: Mm Mm-hmm
3: different regards to the whole cooking thing and the holy convocation when you read numbers the 28th the chapter it goes into the different things that were uh, happening as far as the sacrifices the drink offerings and the burnt offerings and the men mm-hmm. offerings and things of that nature when they were offered up and what their purpose was and that's the foundation of understanding colossians the second chapter i know i'm jumping a little bit ahead but let me just read this real quick to, um, to make the point. This is number 28 and 1. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel and say unto them, My offering and my bread for my sacrifices made by fire for a sweet savor unto me shall ye observe to offer unto me in their due season. Mm-hmm. Their due season, meaning that you had burnt offerings that were made on the Sabbath day, you had burnt offerings that were made on the new moons. You had burnt offerings that were made on the high holy days, and different drink offerings and things like this, like that. And and those were the things, excuse me, that was, those were the things that were the office of the Levites to perform. Now, mm-hmm. let me jump up to. And I had I was holding this for a second. Let me jump up to. Man, I had it. I had it right here. Because it was basically going into how, here we go, Matthew, the 12th chapter. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go straight to the point. Because he said, mm-hmm. an offering made by fire, and we, and it was already established that cooking was an ordinance that was forbidden. Okay, right. Cooking was forbidden on the Sabbath day. So when the scribes and the Pharisees tried to deal with, basically accused Christ of breaking the Sabbath, mm-hmm. this is where the Lord was breaking stuff down, Matthew 12 and 5. And I'm going to go straight to the point. He says, yeah. or have you not read in the law, how that on the Sabbath days, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless. So what were the priests doing? They were doing their job. They were working. But how are they? Pro- that's how they were profaning the Sabbath day, but they were blameless because that was their office, and they had to continually offer those offerings. We just read it, how the Lord said that they did those things in their season. Right.
1: They were doing it in the service. That was part of the service of God. Exactly. It, wasn't, it wasn't part of the service of let me serve myself.
3: And that's the point.
1: Well, as one brother told me, his mother told him, look, you know, it's, what Christ said is not um it's not unlawful to do good on the Sabbath day, so I'm going to do good to myself by making me this cup of tea.
3: Exactly. Now they're going into thriving <laughs> in the law and sin. Right. And just another point, too. I'm going to go to Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, even going into further into the Holy Convocation,
6: mm-hmm.
3: okay? Because you have, you know, certain ministers that will go into the whole thing about, oh, well, I worship the Lord every day of the week and this, that, and the other, but that still does not, you know, circumvent or that still does not trump as far as what we're supposed to do pertaining to the Sabbath day. No. Okay. Read it. So I'm going to read Leviticus 23 and 1. It says, And the mm-hmm. Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say to them concerning the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim, to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. So we're looking at the word feast. This is showing you that these are the, the days that they offered up sacrifices as well. Right. Okay. He says, What? Ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations. That word was used with regard to the Sabbath. But read, we're going to read on and it's going to prove it. Verse 3. Six days shall work be done. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. You shall right. do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. And as you read right. on, it goes into all of the different feast days of the heavenly Father. Right. But, and I want to read
5: this. Is, in,
1: huh? You got something I, else? No,
3: go ahead. Yeah, go I want to. I got one more thing. Yeah, you go ahead.
1: Um, this is uh, going right on what you are saying about. The Sabbath is a holy convocation. That didn't change in the New Testament because we read in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and the 25th verse, it says, Not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. So you have some people that they're not assembling or going according to the holy gatherings as defined and explained in the scriptures, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now you see the day of Christ coming closer and nearer. So that's still in force now in this time. We're supposed we're not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together in the worship of the Most High and the Son, Jesus Christ. So you have
3: something else? Well, I'm going to go to the point home because I was just going to read in Nehemiah 8th chapter how they gathered together in faith when they were coming out of captivity, and I'm going to jump straight to the point. Mm-hmm. It says, um, I'm going to start at 8 and 2. It says, And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. The first day of the month is a new moon, but this one in particular is a memorial of the blowing of trumpets. Right. But verse 3 is the point. It says, And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from morning until midday, before the men and women and those that could understand. And all the ears of the people were attentive unto the book of the law. I'm right. jump down in verse eight. It says so they read in the book of the law of God distinctly, and this is the point, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Right. So that's so, what the job of the priest is. To cause to give sense and to cause them people to understand. Right. Not to pervert it.
1: Right. And that's what we're doing here today. And I wanna I wanna read something before we go to to break, showing that they understood the the Sabbath ordinances when they came and wickedly and perversely and blasphemously changed the Sabbath, the true Sabbath, until unto the day to worship the sun. This is um this is one of the the canonical laws of the Council of Laodicea that was. Between 343 and 381, I'm going to read read a part of it. It says, um, this is Canon 16, on Saturday, Greek sabbaton, the Sabbath, the Gospels and other portions of Scripture shall be read aloud. Canon 29, Christians shall not judicize and be idle on Saturday, but shall work on that day. But the Lord's day, they say the Lord's day is Sunday. But we know the Lord's day is the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, which people call Saturday. It says, "But the Lord day they, they shall especially honor, and as being Christians shall, if possible, do do no work on that day. If, however, they are found Judaizing, they shall be shut out." Greek ananathema from Christ. So they were said they changed. There there was ordinances and laws. Even when they changed it, that he wasn't supposed to do any work. So well, people jumping up and down and time, of, no work, no work, no work. They're not even following what their own religion is saying, much less, much, much less the Bible. So they said if you did any work, that you would be an anathema from Christ, which means a curse from Christ, you would be put out of the church. And during the time of Constantine, they put you to death if they caught you keeping the Sabbath, or they caught you working on Sunday. So people don't know this history. They don't know these laws because they're full of the corruption of this world, and that's what we're trying to bring forth, the light of Christ. It's just that people have to let that light into their hearts and stop being hard-headed and rebellious and listen to the scriptures. So we're going to take a break, so stay tuned, and we're going to come right back.
0: This is the Body of Christ Church inviting you to listen to our new program, From Darkness to Light, where we examine and reprove spiritual wickedness in today's world. The show airs every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. So remember the words written in Proverbs 4, verse 18. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the
2: perfect day. And killing in this society, bodies are falling on every single side of me. Rapists are running rampant, so what a drug addicts. We're living in the last days of the final madness. Teenage mothers giving birth to rebellious children. Rebellious children hate their brothers and then they kill them. Earthquake, earthquakes, famines, pestilence, evidence, 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 evidence. That is hard time to wake out of your sleep. state. before Christ returns to set these wicked demons straight. So tune in to Blartheradio.com forward slash. Be easy, don't be alarmed Ripping closely And there's one thing you will see To get your life right Repentance is the key Tune in to Repentance is the Key At 7.5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday To learn more about repentance and Christ Religion is not the answer The Bible, the Heavenly Father, and Christ is the answer So tune in Shalom
6: In today's world People have been deceived and their minds have been polluted by the doctrine of devils and many tools of Satan. When people are confronted with the true word of God, it is very difficult for them to hear them. John 8 and 32 reads, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." Come and join the Body of Christ Church every Monday at 8 p.m. as the true word of God is rightly divided for the edification of the church. And ask yourself
7: this question Can you handle the
0: truth?
7: If you would like to contact us Or learn more about The Body of Christ Church you may do so by calling, emailing, or by visiting our website. Our telephone number is 1 871 1712. Our email address is bodyofchrist at ureach.com. U-Reach is the letter U followed by the word reach. So that's bodyofchrist at ureach.com. Our website, thedocc.com. Contains our telephone number and email address, as well as audio and video biblical lessons and other information geared toward edification and repentance and good works. Again, our website address is thedocc.com. So please feel free to connect with us today.
1: About today, the Sabbath and legalism. I'd like to thank everyone that's called in, everyone that's in the chat room, giving scriptures. This is a very important topic that we're talking about today. As we, you know, some of the things that we've read, as far as historically speaking, when they've changed the days over, that they actually. Um, would um, penalize people for keeping the Sabbath day as it was written, and you'll see that today. If you say that you're keeping the Sabbath day and you're not wearing a yarmulke, and you don't not wearing a, a black suit and you know one of those uh, those hats, that you'd be highly criticized for observing the Sabbath or acting for the Sabbath day off from your job, you know, and ever we can see that if you don't keep sunday that's the attitude of the people today that you will be you know be punished or you'll be frowned upon for working on that day or doing anything on that day because this was man's law that they had put forward from from ancient times or the medieval times when constantine had taken over but now we're back and i think um brothers we have we explained everything? We've gone into not working, not buying and selling, not cooking, not killing a fire. We've covered all the all of the major points, haven't we?
2: Yes, we have. Right. Okay. I'd like to read the scripture if I could, just right quick. Yeah, you this can. This is Isaiah 66 and verse 23. I know you like
1: to read the scriptures. That's why you're on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, brother. I'm messing with you. This
2: is Isaiah 66 and 23, and it says, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. So the overall point is first and foremost, it's a prophecy. So this thing's gonna happen. But uh, the new moon also is a Sabbath. When the Lord said, Keep the Sabbath day holy, yes. We supposed right. to keep the Sabbath, but there's more than one Sabbath day. When you read into when you read in Leviticus, the twenty third chapter, the majority of the high holy days of the Lord are uh, are in uh, that book. But the point of the matter is, from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. So here it is, a prophecy of the reestablishing of what was supposed to be done on the Sabbath day and that which is a holy convocation, meaning a holy gathering. So that we can all honor the Heavenly Father and serve and worship the Lord like the Lord intends for us to do on the right and correct day, which is the Sabbath day.
1: Right. And um, that's a beautiful point because it shows you that's the shadow of things to come that they read about in Colossians, in the second chapter. You know, those things, the, the sacrifices and, and those things were a shadow of things to come because the Sabbath is going to be kept in the kingdom of God and His Christ. Um, and another thing I want to read is Amos 8 and 5. I see you put that in the, in the chat room, up. It says, saying, when will the new moon be gone that we may sell corn? And the Sabbath that we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small and shekel great, the shekel great and falsifying the balance by the sea. So that shows you that that's a demonic spirit that people, when they break the Sabbath, they want to go and buy and sell. That's that spirit of covetousness. You know i gotta I got to go out I got to go to the shops you know i want I want to go to the store, I want to go to the mall and get this sale rather than keep the Sabbath day rather than rest and be refreshed rather than spend time with your family, whether you know getting closer to the heavenly Father through His beloved Son, our King, our Lord, our Savior Jesus Christ, then you want to go out and buy something, sell something and breaking the lords uh, breaking the Lord's Sabbath. That is an evil spirit that's upon people. And that they have to break by repenting Through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Now what I want to go into Is the legalism The legalism Um Actually you brothers Did Christ Did Christ promote us To break the laws And have us to teach Others to break the laws Can someone give um some clarification And shed some light on that for us
2: No no and when I say no, I to go straight, ask the question bluntly. Christ never gave us permission to break the commandments and teach others to break the commandments. Matter of fact, Christ spoken against that. When you read Matthew the fifth chapter verse seventeen, Christ said it himself. He said, "Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill." So, mm-hmm. small tangent, small side note. <laughs> to get the understanding of what Christ truly fulfilled Please read Luke verse, Chapter 24 Verse 44 Christ fulfilled all the things Written in the scriptures concerning him I'll read. Christ did not okay, Thank you very much
1: Luke 24 verse 44 mm-hmm. And he said unto them These are the words which I spake unto you while I was with you That all things must be fulfilled Which were written in the law of Moses And in the prophets And in the Psalms Concerning me
2: Thank you Christ did not come to fulfill the law In that oh we don't have to keep the law no more Because that's the baseline doctrine Of deceit that a lot of churches Churches teach Nonetheless to answer the question that you posed to us Reading on back in Matthew The fifth chapter Now verse 18 For verily I say unto you Till heaven and earth pass One jot or one tittle Shall in no wise pass from the law, so all be fulfilled. But the point is in verse 19 Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And hopefully, from the words of our Lord and Savior and King Christ That answers the question fully
1: Right Right I mean That does I mean So does that mean That we have to Go along with the Old Testament As well as the New Testament What, yeah,
2: what, someone that, gives means
3: is,
2: what that means is Because a lot of A lot of people uh, Will get caught up in that Let's read Matthew chapter 17 And verse Mm 5. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. So we're supposed to hear the teachings of Christ. Christ supersedes all. Christ is the final authority. So as far as the Old Testament and New Testament is concerned, the Old Testament prophesied of Christ in Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter in verse 18. So now right. that Christ is on the scene, did Christ do away with any of the Old Testament laws, so forth and so on? No, he did not. We just read that. What right. Christ did do was he gave us the true understanding of how to keep those commandments which were already given to us in the quote unquote Old Testament. He just right. showed us the perfect way of keeping those commandments. Right. On, and
3: follow Christ.
1: Abadji, about you, you? had something to say?
3: No, actually, it's kind of funny because we were going through. Uh, actually, Kukonga Bar the class that he held, held last night, was actually touching on some of those things about how a lot of those things that people say were done away with, the law of sacrifice was not. Done it's not away, funny. It was, it's the spirit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Cause I didn't it, talk it, to Kukungubar last
1: out. night, but uh, that's the spirit. It, that's how the spirit works when. The most I want certain things brought out, brothers are bringing out without even talking to one another, and that's how the Spirit operates. Go ahead, bro.
3: Yeah, because some of the points that he touched on was that the law of sacrifice was not done away with, it was reconciled in Christ. Because at the end of the day, if we don't get it together and repent, we're going to be a sacrifice. We're going to be put to death for our sins. Because when you look at it, you know, people want to say that the laws are done away with, but what was the whole point of the sacrifice? The sacrifice was there for a propitiation, or uh, 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 to satisfy the, the basically the breaking of the commandments or sin. So when you read in First Corinthians five, excuse me, not not First uh, Corinthians five, uh, yeah, First Corinthians five and seven, purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So this is why Christ told them, "Listen, one greater than the temple is here," because all of those things, the sacrifice, was a foreshadowing or shadow of Christ. Hmm. So now we're no longer offering sacrifices. The whole thing of right. the Levitical priesthood, being the having the office of serving the heavenly Father and making a propitiation for the sins of the nation, that office has been redeemed in Christ. That right. doesn't mean that the, the ordinances. Uh, and uh, the laws are done away with. That means that now we keep them through the spirit and the faith in Jesus Christ. That did not mean we just cast them to the side. Now we do and say we believe.
1: Right. And that per- perpetuation is a big word. So I'm going to read the definition because you okay. know, when people were looting, they didn't break it into to any bookstores. They didn't get a Webster's. They didn't get an Oxford Dictionary. So we have to break that down. That perpetuation is basically um, an act of of, of appeasement. Or trying to make peace, so that's what the sacrifices would be for. Instead of that's why we had the Day of Atonement. Then there would be a sacrifice offered by the priests that would atone for our sins for that past year. But as you were bringing out, you know that wasn't done away with. Christ became that sacrifice. Christ became that Passover Lamb. Christ became that atonement and made an atonement for our sins. So yes, it's true. You know, the sacrificial laws wasn't done away with. Christ just became all of those sacrifices. Now, if we do wrong, now we become the sacrifice for our sins, and we take the blame. You're not going to take it out on some lamb or some goat, and Christ is going to come down a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, time to the upteenth time for your sin, for you to sin again and again and again and again and again. And I want to read this scripture. This is John. The 5th chapter and the 45th verse It says do not think that I will accuse you to the father There's one that accuses you Even Moses and whom you trust For had you believed Moses you would have believed me For he wrote of me But if you believe not his writings How shall you believe my words Because a lot of so called Christians You know say oh you can't deal with the Old Testament You just got to deal with the New Testament And a lot of them they don't deal with the New Testament they deal with new age revel- revelations. Oh, I got a revelation from God, and God is telling me to do this, and that goes against what the scriptures are saying. Because the scripture says, "If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God." That's in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we knew we have Isaiah eighteen twenty. In the New Testament, Peter saying, "Let you speak as the oracles of God" means the scriptures. And during that time, was the New Testament written, brothers? Nope. nope. So when he says, "Speak as the oracles of God," It was speaking as what the Old Testament, speaking as the Old Testament. When they went and they were speaking about Jesus Christ, they were showing from the laws and the prophets and the Psalms that Jesus was the Christ. He was the one that was foretold to come to be our savior, to be our prince, to be our governor. Now, is that to say that Christ has come that now we are free to do whatever and sin, including the breaking of the Sabbath day, no, or the changing no. of the Sabbath day.
5: No, no. Well, that's can you Romans, get
1: some scriptural clarification on that, and let's bring this out and bring it home.
2: That's that's what Romans the sixth chapter goes into. I mean, it, read the whole chapter, and it, it explains it perfectly. We do not have a license to sin. Uh, let's get it specifically. Um, it, not to read it. the whole chapter, but let's let's just go straight to the point here. Hit
1: the point. Get what you want.
2: Here we go. <clears throat> this is Romans 6 and 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Hold on. So what are we saying? Are we going to continue breaking the commandments, even profaning the Sabbath and not keeping it, so that we can get more grace? Verse 2. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? In other words, mm-hmm. how shall we that have repented in the name of our Lord and Savior and King Christ live any longer therein? In other words, right. how can we live more in grace by repenting if you get grace for breaking the commandments? That doesn't make right. any sense. No, it doesn't. So now, <laughs> that really does not make any sense. But now here's the point. Marcus. Verse uh, uh, verse 15, it states it again. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law? We are not under the curse of the law. We are not under the laws as were given to us through Moses? God forbid. Excuse me. But under grace, God forbid. So in other words, the point of the matter is, are we going to sin? Are we going to break the commandments because we're not under the curse of the law? God forbid that. So, in other words, we continue to keep the commandments. We continue to keep these ordinances, including the ordinances of the Sabbath, which, here again, no working, no buying, no selling, a day of rest, a holy convocation. Those are the ordinances and the laws dealing with the Sabbath. And in Christ, those ordinances, are still in effect In other words Christ did not do away With any of those things As we just read in Matthew the 5th chapter Verses 17 18
5: and 19 And and
1: you know what Many people are under The, the dominion of sin Dominion means it has the power Over them to the rule the control Over them because they just They give into it And that's what they do automatically You know they automatically think about Adultery. They automatically think about, uh, you know, someone says some rough words to them or curse them. They'll curse them back, rendering evil for evil. So Paul is telling the men and women of Christ, so this, this is what this is written to. This isn't written, it's just handed out onto the street to anyone. This is written to people that's in the church that believe in Christ. It says, for sin shall not have dominion over you meaning those that believe in Christ and that's following Christ, that they're not supposed to be a bunch of sinners or whoremongers or adulterers and murderers. That's not, that's not what is supposed to control their life. It's supposed to be the ruling influence in their life. Christ is supposed to be the ruling influence in their life. Christ is supposed to be in their thoughts and in their mind, and they're supposed to be seeking the kingdom of God first. So it, it goes on and says, for you are not under the law but under grace, for what then shall what, for what then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace, God forbid. So no. No, you can't keep doing that. And I, I think the brother explained. I just want to hit that point that people let sin reign in their members and control them. And that's not what Christ came for. And Paul was explaining that perfectly to the T. Abaji you have something?
3: Well, I was actually looking at uh Romans well, the third chapter. Get it, because get it. This, this is something that was touched on as well. Because the mm-hmm. thing is, is that you have a, a lot of people, you know, a lot of our people who may know that they're Israel, but they don't want to come to Christ. Right. And you have a lot of people that understand that Jesus is Lord, but they don't want to keep the commandments. They don't want to keep the old laws done away with. But you right. can't have one without the other. And I'm going to start at verse 24 and read very quickly through the end, because the point is in verse 31. Because it says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So right. it's already established that Christ was the sacrifice for us. Right. Okay. And we're justified to live in the sight of the Heavenly Father and receive salvation. This is what it's talking about. That's how we were redeemed. Mm-hmm. Verse 25 says, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. There's that word again. Propitiation through faith in his blood. Talking about his sacrifice. To declare his righteousness for the remissions of sin that are passed through the forbearance of God. So it's going to show you, First John 3 and 4 tells you that sin is a transgression of the law. Mm-hmm. So Christ came to redeem us from the curse of death that was in the law, not to redeem us from keeping the Sabbath, not to redeem us from being a whoremonger, not to redeem us from being an adulterer, and so forth and so on. See, people get it twisted. And let me read that word, forbearance. Mm -hmm. Okay, the definition of that word forbearance, it says abstinence from or postponement of the enforcement of a legal right. Mm. Okay, now they're dealing with it from a creditor as far as somebody paying a debt. (laughs) But Christ paid the debt. That's the point. That's the point. And what Christ's death did is it abstained or postponed us having to get put to death. Right. Right and giving us time to get it together and repent.
1: Right. That's the grace.
3: That's the grace, because even people that have gone to school and have accumulated hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans, they have an a option where you can basically have a, a, get a forbearance, which means that they won't charge you. Uh, you won't accrue interest. Okay? You still owe the debt, but you won't accrue interest, meaning that they're giving you some leniency. And that's what Christ gave us. He gave us leniency or grace or mercy. Yeah, great spirit. Exactly. It's the same principle. Let me read verse 26. He says, Mm -hmm. We declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he may be just and a justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Because people don't understand is that when Christ walked the face of the earth, you had those of our people that knew that they were Israel and that were keeping the things pertaining to the Levitical priesthood that were called the circumcision, and you had those of our people that were out living amongst the other nations that were by lineage or bloodline Israel, but they were living with the other nations. They were calling themselves Greeks, so forth and so on. Right. And Christ was bringing all of Israel back together through his sacrifice. Right. So now. And I don't want to take up too much time but I have to go through these take things your I have to point home. So verse twenty seven, because the thing was the whole thing about the circumcision is that they had the advantage because they had the law, they had the oracles of God and they had, they understood. Okay, listen, we understand what these things are. We're supposed to understand. So when Christ came, they should have recognized him instantly. Absolutely. And that's what they were boasting in. So verse twenty-seven, he says, "Where is the boasting then? Is it excluded? By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith." So this is what people fall off the horses like. Oh, see, all got to do is believe. They ain't got to be justified in the law. Verse twenty-eight. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So understanding what sin is, is that saying that we are justified to believe in Christ and we can still commit adultery, because that's what it says, we're justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So I can still be justified and be an adulterer? Can I still be justified and be a homosexual? Can I still be justified and be covetous? Can I still be justified and have hatred in my heart towards my brother? No, you can't. So it's showing you that this is not talking about the law. It's talking about those things pertaining to the Levitical priesthood and the law of sacrifice, because that's how we would justify it. That's how we were basically appeasing the Heavenly Father's wrath for sin. Right. right. But now yeah. that's reconciled in Christ. Because right. you had those of the circumcision that were trying to bring in that heresy, saying, no, you have to be circumcised after the man of Moses. You have to return to the temple. People don't understand. Christ was greater than the temple. That's why the temple was destroyed. Right. But
5: Absolutely not. Go ahead.
3: So it says, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So proving that this is not talking about the law is done away with. Verse 29, is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God who shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith So when he said justify the circumcision by faith Because it is very important that we have to bring this thing out Okay The circumcision was justified by faith Because yeah at the time what the, while the temple was still standing They were still performing the sacrifices But there was going to come a time Where that temple was going to be destroyed And they no longer would be able to do that Which means mm-hmm. that they had to believe on Jesus Christ mm-hmm. Right That's the point See People don't understand that. But he says what? Well, and the uncircumcision meaning those that were living out amongst the heathen and coming to Christ. Like Timothy. Like Timothy, whose father was a Greek. It doesn't mean that his father was basically of that lineage. It meant that his father was basically following those customs, the same way that we grew up and were following the customs of the lands that we were born in. No different.
1: He's a Grecian, a Greek-speaking Jew. Exactly, and just um, just to jump in real quick, when it says Gentile, the actual um, word in in the Greek is Greeks or Grecians. So people say Gentiles and think, oh, see, that's Gentiles that's everybody. No. no, it says Greek. Whether Jew or Greek, because the Israelites had followed Greek traditions. That's what you read about in the apocrypha that everyone hates. Under Alexander the Great and then his um, four generals came and they took over Jerusalem and did many great evils in that land And a lot of our people began to follow the Greek customs and ways So back to you, book, go ahead
3: Exactly, so that's why the uncircumcision had to be justified through faith Because they weren't keeping anything pertaining to the Levitical priesthood They were living like everybody else out there So now when somebody's preaching Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ, what you mean? Well, mm-hmm. this is the this is the man that was prophesied of in the scriptures, and he was going to redeem the, the nation of Israel and gather back those that were scattered to the four corners of the earth. You read about that all throughout the Old Testament. The Lord mm-hmm. even said out his own mouth, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them must I also gather. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that hatred was so great and that division was so great between those that were following the Levitical priesthood and those that were basically cast out. Right. Absolutely. So now, the point is in verse thirty-one. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. So, what it's saying is, all of those commandments that the heavenly Father gave us, we keep those things through the faith of Jesus Christ. That's not saying, oh, we we establish. No, no, we established the law of sacrifice. No, because they already understood when that curtain rent from top to bottom. And uh, basically when the Lord gave up his life and the temple was damaged, that was showing you that was the end of the old covenant right there. That was the end of the law of sacrifice. That was reconciled through Christ. We We weren't going to be sacrificing animals to appease the Heavenly Father's wrath for sin anymore.
1: Right. And Romans 12 That we're supposed to present our bodies As a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God Which is our reasonable service It's reasonable for us to do the laws and commandments Of the Heavenly Father Which are just and which are good So Right now as we Get closer to Winding up this show I think, you know, all praises to the Most High in Christ You know, brothers did a good job Of bringing out the scriptures And showing that the ordinance of the Sabbath. I mean, last week we showed what day the Sabbath was supposed to be kept, and you know, I went into some of the things showing you in history how when it changed and what things that they were doing, you know, it was highly frowned upon when they changed it. That if you work on the Sabbath, they call it Judaizing, because that's where it comes from. It comes from the Jews, uh, uh, better said, the Israelites. That's who that law was given to. It was given to us. So they didn't want people to follow <laughs> the Israelites. They didn't want them to follow their laws. They didn't want them to keep the days or set the pattern of days by the um, the lunar calendar. That's why they go by a solar calendar because they worship the sun. We go by a lunar calendar because we know the Lord set up the he set up the moon to declare the times and the season. Also, also the sun they work in conjunction with one another, but it wasn't something that we were um, supposed to set out and, and worship as they have done. So we give all praises to the Most High in Christ. And as usual, at the end of you know the show that we do here in the body of Christ, uh, kings and priests. I like to play a clip going and dealing with Christmas because Christmas is not the truth. It is a lie. Christ wasn't born on December the 25th, and I want to get that message out there all year long that this isn't the truth. It's not about Christ. It's about Satan. You've been deceived. You've been tricked, and it's time for people to repent and jump on the bandwagon of Christ and truly honor and worship Christ. So, you, you brothers, got anything to say before I play this clip in closing?
3: The I got thing, one last thing to add. Uh,
2: go ahead, Zah. Yeah, the only thing that I have to say, I, I put it out there for the audiences, for for anyone who who says, you know, the 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 the, the true, the, the 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 Lord's Day is now on Sunday. Ask the simple question of where is the scripture that proves that? I'm not I'm not talking about secular history. Ask where is the scripture in the Holy Bible that proves that the Lord's Day is now Sunday, and 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 see, and uh and and see what type of answer or what type of response that you get when you ask that question.
3: All right, and the other thing too is that even going back to what was read earlier in Nehemiah about how they caused the people to understand and gave the sense of the reading. I want to go read the point in Luke 14 and 5 because the thing is is that for people that may just be getting, you know, listening to the show or may have even heard it from the beginning, it may sound like, oh, man, they're just bringing out a whole bunch of rules and stuff. No. Mm. The Lord gave us the understanding, and this is speaking specifically about the Sabbath, and I'm going to go to the point uh Luke 14 and 5. It says, and he answered them saying, which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen, fallen into a pit? and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day. Right. It, and they cannot answer him again to these things. So the point is is that, yes, we are responsible for keeping the ordinances of the Sabbath to the best of our ability, but we may find ourselves in a situation or things may come up to where we may have to do something that would so-called be considered breaking the Sabbath. And what I mean by that is, and I really hate to go into a hypothetical situation, but... You have people that will actually go into this the ordinance of the Sabbath and strive about it. Like, mm-hmm. let's say that you are, you know, are sick or something, and it's like, oh well, I, it's the Sabbath day; I can't go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Ooh, go to the hospital if it's that? You know what I'm saying? If you're in the point where you like deathly ill or something, or uh, uh, you are sick and you need treatment, go get treatment. Okay. Then Christ explained the that says, if you
1: ox is in the ditch, once you get it out.
3: Exactly, you're going to let the animals sit in there the whole day, oh, it's the Sabbath day, we can't pull the ox out. No, you're going to pull them out. And that's the point. The Lord gave us the understanding on how to keep the Sabbath, not to add unto it like the rulers of our people did at that time. Oh, you can't travel more than a certain amount of distance on the Sabbath. Oh, the yeah. disciples, they was picking corn in the in the, in the field, they were working.
1: Right. That's people That's so, legalism. That's
3: legalism. There you go. So I just wanted to make sure we brought that point out, is that, you know, we keep the ordinances of the Sabbath to the best of our ability because we understand that we're in captivity, and a lot of us may have jobs where we're currently working on the Sabbath day or we're required to work on the Sabbath day. So we deal with those things, and we look for ways to where we can keep the Lord's commandments to the best of our ability. That's what the grace of Christ is for, not to just straightway go out and break them.
1: Right. So, you know, I want to give everyone a a job to do. You know, you listen to the show, promote the show, tell somebody about the show this week. Not this, not just this show, but all of the shows that we do on Body of Christ uh, Radio Network. You know, tell somebody about it. Give somebody a flyer. You know, hand them a flyer about the Sabbath or about repentance. You know, the flyers on the website Tell them about the website So that's the job I want to give You know, everyone that's listening Into this show, especially, you know, brothers and sisters Promote the show And let your light shine Now I'm going to play this clip And we give all praises to the Heavenly Father in Christ So let's listen to this clip Dealing with Christmas St.
6: Nicholas, but surprisingly retained Some cultures began to downplay The role of St. Nicholas But surprisingly retained Ruprecht. Eventually, Necht Ruprecht was made the companion and servant to the Christ child himself. In this scenario, the devil is actually given the title Vinoxman, or Santa Claus. 19th century writer Theodore Storm, in his story about Necht Ruprecht, even goes so far as to describe the switches given to the children by Ruprecht as tools to be used in masochistic rituals. Soon, the image of Ruprecht would fade from the Christmas tradition but not his sadistic influence. Many of the early depictions of Santa Claus portrayed him not as a jolly gift giver, but of an unfriendly disciplinarian complete with a ready switch or whip.
4: One of the problems with the Christmas gift thing for children is that it really is a religious teaching, a wrong religious teaching, because it teaches them... That if they're nice, they get the gifts. If they're naughty, they don't. Or in my case, I was taught that he would leave us a bundle of switches. Uh, isn't that interesting? Uh, it's a salvation by uh, my own personal virtue. But, but there's a second thing wrong with it, and that is that they're going to get those gifts whether they're naughty or nice because most parents love their children and, and would, wouldn't dream of, quote, ruining their Christmas and they're not going to ruin Christmas. They're going to give those children the gifts anyway. And some, sooner or later, those thinking children are going to realize, I wasn't very nice, but I got the gift anyway. So it isn't important to be nice. It isn't important to do what is right and avoid what is wrong.
6: German immigrants coming to America during the 1620s tried to influence the New World with the stories of St. Nicholas and his gift-giving companion, Nech Ruprecht. But somehow, the idea just didn't take hold until almost 200 years later. In 1819, America's best-selling author, Washington Irving, used his influence to promote St. Nicholas in a popular Christmas story titled Brace Bridge Hall. Consulting Irving's writing, Episcopalian minister Clement Clark Moore penned a decidedly secular tale called A Visit from St. Nicholas in 1822. Later, retitled "The Night Before Christmas," Moore's poem was based on the tales of German and Dutch immigrants who had come to America. Intended originally only for his own children, Moore's story was published in the Troy Sentinel in New York and became an overnight sensation. Gone were the bishop's remnant of St. Nicholas. He was now a jolly old elf imbued with supernatural powers. Moore had also replaced Nicholas's companion the horned necked Ruprecht with eight horned magical reindeer. As the popularity of The Night Before Christmas grew, Moore became increasingly concerned that the story's emphasis on the supernatural and its disregard for Christ would reflect poorly on his position as a minister. As a result, he refused to take credit for its creation until the story became so popular that he could no longer resist. Forty years later, Illustrator Thomas Nast, political cartoonist for Harper's Weekly, seared the image of Santa Claus into the minds of the world by creating a drawing which combined Moore's jolly old elf with images of St. Nicholas taken from his own native Bavaria. By 1880, Santa was a thoroughly secularized folk hero who had become increasingly irresistible to retailers worldwide.
5: One factor that has contributed to... uh The paganization of Christmas, the complete paganization of Christmas, has been the element of commercialism. Uh, It may seem odd to think of it in that context, but uh, remember that Christ himself identified the love of money as a spiritual force in and of itself. And where it comes into play, it has a kind of naturally hostile effect on uh, on the gospel and the, uh, uh, the Christian faith. So the commercialization of Christmas has helped to h- highlight the pagan elements and to uh, drive the overtly Christian elements further underground. To me, the most
4: obscene thing about Christmas celebrations and customs as we know them is that as a result of these things, Jesus is displaced in the hearts of children by Santa Claus. The love, affection, appreciation, trust, the, the desire to emulate these things that they should have in their hearts and minds as growing children for Jesus himself, to whom they owe everything. Uh, Instead, this has been stolen. This has been uh, raped out of their hearts, in a sense, and displaced by the myth
5: of Santa Claus. He takes the place of God, or Jesus Christ, in the special world that is Christmas. Uh, He has supernatural knowledge. Of, uh, of your history. He has supernatural knowledge of, uh, of your present, of your attitudes. He's keeping a list. He knows who's naughty and nice. Your parents don't even know that. Uh, he's obviously got some, uh, some conduit to knowledge that is uh, beyond the human, uh, and he, uh, he flies through the air, uh, capable of visiting every place on the globe in the course of a single night. In many, many ways, Santa exhibits supernatural qualities that uh, provide a kind of a surrogate deity or a substitute for, uh, for God or for Christ.
4: Myths, by definition, evolve and change, and things are added. Uh, we, we used to have a Santa Claus figure that was confused with St. Nicholas and confused with other pagan figures, and then somehow he evolved through the drawings of Thomas Nass and others into what we see today, but he had a sleigh with eight supernatural reindeer, that can fly. And so the, the Christmas traditions that are pagan continue to change. But the truth of Jesus, the truth of the Incarnation, the truth that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, never changes, never will.
0: This is the Body of Christ Church, and you are listening to our program, Kings and Priests, where we teach repentance to the twelve tribes scattered abroad, In these last days, darkness has covered the earth, and gross darkness covers the people. But for those who choose to hear the words of the Father and the instructions of Jesus Christ, he will give them the power to become the nation of kings and priests they will ordain to be from the foundations of the earth.